0: Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Jewish Reaction, presented by the OU, the Orthodox Union, here on the Nachum Siegel Network, nachumsegel.com. My name is Eli Hagler. I'm the Assistant Director of Yachad. Uh, We have a very exciting and meaningful show coming up. We're going to be joined by Rabbi Stephen Weil, the Executive Vice President of the Orthodox Union. Uh, Rabbi Weil is going to speak with us a little bit about Yom Kippur, some themes of the Machser, and just a couple of quick hitting exciting uh tidbits to be aware of and to keep in mind throughout uh throughout Yom HaDin coming up uh tomorrow night uh just before we get in let's get a little into things here is uh Yisrael Williger from his Yom Kippur CD Kol Nidre
1: Veer zar hua la sada di Kul Israel hai ve ve sim kho Ve o ve zar hua Mala da Samokoi Via da Sako Via Shiva Shalemala Via Shiva Shalemato Matilinis Pale. In my van, Father, kind of may way, Father, I'm not sure, sure. I bet I lean on
0: And that was Yisrael Williger uh, singing Kol Nidre. Um, Rabbi Stephen Weil is the Executive Vice President of the OU of the Orthodox Union. Rabbi Weil, welcome to the Jewish Reaction. Oh, it's an honor to be here. It's great to have you. Uh, so I know last week you joined Nachum, uh, Anjayim in the AIM, talking about uh, Rosh Hashanah and themes of Rosh Hashanah and the Aser HaSimei Um Let's, uh, I guess, switch gears maybe now just a little more specific uh, about Yom Kippur, what is Yom Kippur? Why is there a Yom Kippur? Yom Kippur really should be every day. Uh, in theory, why do we have a day specifically uh, set aside as Yom Hadin?
2: Oh, uh, that's a fantastic question. Oh, thanks. You're looking... <laughs> uh, to a great degree, Yom Kippur is a culmination of a continuum. In other words, we build up, and, and everyone's familiar, whether it's the Svar, we start with blowing the shofar, Rosh Chodesh, or whether it's we who say Psalm 27, starting with the Slichos. It's ultimately, it's it's the apex, it's the culmination of a process where we try to transform ourselves ethically and morally, our values, our attitudes, our relationship with God, how we how we treat ourselves, how we treat our family, our, our workplace, etc.
0: See, a lot of the feeling, you know, out there, I feel tends to be that, you know, during these ten days, we're all on our best behavior. You know, make it to day eleven. And, you know, you're good to go for another 11 and a half months or so. But, I mean, that's not really the case. Ideally, we should all be conscious of everything we do all the time. Um, but specifically during our Sarasamei Chuva, there's that added effort uh, to continue to, you know, quote-unquote,
2: be on the ball or be on your game. It's interesting. You, you take the Rambam or you take Rabbeinu Yona's great work, Shari Chuva, the Gates of Chuva. And their goal, ultimately, through this cathartic transformative process, is to become different people. Sometimes that's attitudinally. Sometimes it's in terms of our values, in terms of our sensitivities. If we can attain that to the best of our ability and everyone, that's the whole idea of it sumo We yom. Part- we partake of the day. The more one gives into it, the more one engages in the process, the more one gets out of the experience. But then there's a transformation. There's a change. If there's a change, then day 11, we don't necessarily go back because we're different people. We've perfected ourselves,
0: and every day you're
2: continuing
0: to perfect yourself. I Meaning, you're never that's perfect; right. you're always striving for more. Yeah, you
2: know, whether it's your attitude towards your mother-in-law, whether it's your attitude. You My know, mother-in-law's towards, was great. Oh, I'm <laughs> glad that's one area you don't have to do too. But your attitude at the workplace, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's you know, sensitivity to a spouse, to a parent, whatever it may be.
0: I mean, so you really should before Yom Kippur, going into Yom Kippur, going into Asarosimet Shuvah, and even going back to Elo, you want to try to have a few things in mind. That you want to work on. Meaning, to go into ll through Yom Kippur saying, I'm going to become perfect, it's not attainable. You know, to pick two or three or four or five things that are those going to be your things that you take upon yourself to work on, that might make it more attainable to, you know, to sustain that over a 40-day period or even over a 10-day period. Yeah. Um, in terms of Yom Kippur itself, what's the... Why is it so... It's... You need to go to shul. You have to go to shul. There's so much that's centered around, uh, specifically around tefillah, around prayer, um, speak a little bit about the importance of the davening itself. Meaning, and this is the same for everyday, a lot of the tefillahs that we say are words that have been written hundreds of years ago, but it's not, you know, me saying, hey, God, please do for me or allow me to serve you and to do X, Y, and Z that apply to me. Everything's more, you know, generic and not pertaining to the individual on paper, clearly.
2: In the tefillos themselves, you see each and every one of us has a dual personality. It doesn't mean we're schizophrenic. It means that we are unique, distinct individuals on the one hand. Each one of us is separate, is, is unique. And at the same time, every one of us is part of the covenantal community. Whether you want to call us B'nai B'ris, Am Yisrael, whatever term you'll use, tzibor, what do you have there? So we're coming as a community, as a nation who has a covenant, who has a real sincere covenant with God, and at the same time we're coming as individuals. The fact that we're also coming as a, as a nation, as a people, we as a community, as a collective, engage God as a collective. On the other hand, what my issues may be or my challenges may be are different than yours. And that's where, and this is true during the throughout the year, but it's true on Yom Kippur as well, the machser is like an accordion because there are certain specifics that you can add in that relate to you, unique, distinct Ellie Hagler, unique, distinct Steve Weil. So you have that accordion experience, the objective structure, and then the specifics, the subjective that we add in. What's very interesting is you ever notice, for instance, how do we say the confessional, which we'll do ten times with what's called the vidui the ashamnu Baganu gazalnu. Eight times we'll do it with the alchets, you know, that's called the vidui You ever notice when you and I, as individuals, say it? We're bent over, beating our chest. Very often, people have tears, you know, and the, humiliated at some of the things that we've done over the course of the past year. But when it gets to the community, there's like this triumphant, jubilant song. Ah, shamnu, badgadu. We're doing it all together, God and it's
0: more... It's not on the individual, that's
2: more as a tzibor. You ever... If, if we would translate those words... It's, it, it seems bizarre. We're bragging. We're a bunch of corrupt individuals. We're liars. We're duplicitous. We've stolen. Lied, did, did, did. <laughs> I mean, it, it, what is that? That's not the way we say it as individuals. So the idea there is that as a nation, even though we need to improve as a people, we have that covenant. We have that covenant that if we come back, ultimately there's a guarantee that there'll be an eternity to the Jewish people. It's the nature of the covenant. And there's a confidence. That tune? It goes all the way back to the early Rishonim. There's a whole tradition on that tune. Whereas, what? When it comes to the individual, there's no such guarantee. It, the Gemara does not say, Brit kruta There's no guaranteed covenant. And we're scared to death. Why? Because who wants to stand in judgment before the Almighty? Who wants to be singled out and have to stand face to face before the Almighty and give an accounting for, unfortunately, we corrupt ourselves. You know, we, we, we corrupt the gift of speech, the time that God gave us, we've wasted. Relationships we've we've damaged and we've hurt people. That kind of an idea. So there's almost it's a very different perspective as is a, a communal Jew as opposed to the individual person. Wow.
0: I mean, there there are a number of uh, points during the tefillah itself. You know, whether it's. Uh, I mean, for me, I love Yom Kippur. I happen to enjoy the time in Shul. It could be because my dad is the chazan and the minion that I go to, so I enjoy it more and I know all the tunes. Uh, but there are certain points during this field that always seem to be more important or more impactful. You know, when you start Unisanatokef, or when the chazan sing hineni before Um or obviously Neila or when you're doing Kol Nidre, and there are certain points where the Yasser Harigimalkos, at least in my shul, is very like I don't say it in Hebrew I read the English to actually really understand what what's you know what was happening but there are certain points that really have that more impactful feeling are those necessarily the parts of the machzor that we should be focusing on as much as we do are those parts of the machzor that are as important as they've become
2: that's a great question so I'm I'm not going to give a straight answer to that question not because I want to be deceptive What's difficult on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur is that primary. one of the primary themes is the notion of coronating God as the master of the universe. Defining God as a source of reality. The physical universe we call general providence, the ethical moral laws of how the world's supposed to be run. So you have these different piyutim and themes that fit to that general theme of malchiot of melech al kol haaretz. For the average person, it's not easy for them to relate to. It, they're abstract they're sublime ideas, but they 're not tangible. You get to an Asana Tokev and it grabs everyone you know we've all confronted tragedy we've all confronted the the fickle whimsical nature of the human existence and you know we look at just how how fleeting life is you know what I mean how tenuous our existence is so what happens everyone gets turned on by unaana Tokev. you look at certain of the alhes or certain of the Avinu volcanoes and they grab you. Others are much more sublime, they're much more universal, they're much more national. So I think what you're describing, I'm not answering your question, I'm not saying that this is more important than that, but I think psychologically, emotionally, because we are human beings, coming from our own perspective, there are certain things that are much more tangible and easy to grab onto.
0: Right. I mean, you know, during, for me, it's when we're saying, you know, right after unasana when we're saying, and then you're actually saying the words... Mi mi yomus, mi mi ba mi mi baskil, whatever the, the different, uh, ways are that I mentioned there is each one in one way or another will touch each individual who has either been confronted with or has either happened to either them or to somebody else that they know that can really, uh, internalize it. Yeah. You know, that, that part of the davening really, at least for me, allows for the most, um, feeling of what's really happening today.
2: I'm going to make this one comment. The Yom Kippur Machsar is as serious a study as the most challenging tractate, the most challenging Gemara. Why? Because there's a lot of Chachma, a lot of wisdom, a lot of subtlety, nuance, a lot of themes, and one thing builds on the other. In the interplay, it's a very complex web. And the challenge is... In school, we're really not taught the makhser, right? L- look at this year. You had three or four days of school before Yom Kippur. There's no way you can teach it seriously. It requires months. Just for those who would like, as you know, the OU, we have the Rabbi Salavet the Masorah Harav Maksar. It's a brilliant work. I mean, Arnie Lustiger spent years putting this together, and then it was edited by others. It's a very c- beautiful work. It doesn't cover everything, but it covers most of the primary themes. It's well written, in because we're in, sitting in shul all day, so you have time actually when you can read it. I, I would strongly recommend, not because it's the OU, we're very proud of this. I would strongly recommend it because it's the words of the Rov, the Masar- Of course, the Rav- you can pick
0: up at any Judaica store. Most uh, Judaica should, stores should have it all over the yeah. place. Um, Rabbi, we're going to talk about uh, general themes that we just started talking about the Master. We'll go into that a little more just before. Uh, we go into that, maybe we'll listen to a song leading up to uh, one of the important themes, obviously. Uh, we'll listen to Avinu Malkinu, which is obviously also one of the really focal point us that we've now been saying for a few days now. But on Yom Kippur, especially come the ilah time, you know, we're changing one word. Not even one word, we're changing a few letters uh, in that one word from Kasvenu to Kasmenu. makes a huge difference. Uh, here's Yisrael Williger with Avinu Malcano.
1: sous oh, Vino societe
0: That was Yisrael Williger with Avinu Malkinu. You're listening to the Jewish Reaction here on the Nacham Siegel Network. My name is Eli Hagler. I'm the Associate Director of Yachat, and I'm being joined here by Rabbi Stephen Weil, the Executive Vice President of the OU, of the Orthodox Union. Uh, Rabbi Weil also leads an explanatory minion at uh, Ketar Torah, at the Romer Shul uh, in Teaneck, New Jersey. Uh, Rabbi Weil, just coming out of, after listening to uh, Avinu Malkinu, obviously it's one of... uh, you know, there, there are certainly important messages and themes to be taken from uh, Avinu Malkinu. You know, we've been saying it now for a number of days, and we say it a number of times um, on Yom Kippur, even uh, on Shabbos, I believe, on Yom Kippur, or may, at least during the Ila, Nila. even on Shabbos, we will say it. So there's certainly importance to Avinu Mal-kenu. Maybe speak a little bit about one of the themes of the Machzor as it relates to Avinu Malkinu.
2: Yeah, Avinu Malkinu, fascinating. Yeah, Rabbi Akiva, who's the author of Avinu Mal-kenu? We know Rabbi Kiva was not verbose. He wasn't Chaucer, or Shakespeare. Why couldn't he just say Avinu? Or why couldn't he just say Malkainu? What's this dialectic where you have to have Avinu, Malkainu? Two poles that seem to be very different, one from the other. And then we oscillate between our relationship with God as a father, God as, as the master, as the king. So the idea is, if all God is... Is is this sense of like a president, a prime minister. You can't show up in the Oval Office whenever you want. There's a protocol, there's a respect. You have to approach it with a certain way, you have to dress a certain way, conduct yourself a certain way. You can't put your feet up on the on the furniture. That's on the one hand. What does that mean? When it comes to the Almighty, there's an intimacy, there's a closeness, there's a warmth, there's a dynamism where we can approach God. We have that special blessing that we can relate to God at any point in time. But if all we have is the intimacy and the warmth and no respect and no sense of awe and reverence, that's wrong as well. So there's this healthy balance between seeing God as what? is someone who cares for us, who's intimate with us, who's there for us, who's a father figure, at the same time, there should be a sense of, of reverence, a sense of respect, of awe, of discipline. And you can't have one without the other.
0: Is it that it's not realistic? Or it's, it's really, like your example of speaking to President Obama, if you wanted to speak to your father, you pick up the phone or you stop by the house, you don't have that option. It's really putting the two together. I mean, you have the... Awe of the Oval Office and the respect that we you always have for a parent and it's kind of fusing the two together
2: exactly the intimacy with a sense of awe and respect it creates a healthy religious personality because if you only have one or the other it's not it's not the, our relationship with God it's not the ideal relationship with the Almighty
0: you don't right. you you don't want to be quote on buddies
2: that's, with right. The that's right. The Rambam right. In, in the second chapter of Yisoria Torah, Ava and Yira is a, it's a dynamic interface. It's what's called a dialectic. We oscillate between the sense of awe and reverence. So, so just to give an example, and there are many in the Avinu Malkeinu, but Kaseinu the Sefer Slicha Mechila. What does it mean to write us for the book of Slicha and Mechila? So, Mechila we define as what is forgiving of a debt. If I owe you money, Eli, and you forgive that debt, that's called Mechila let's use the example on Yom Kippur if I did something wrong I did something that was inappropriate there's a consequence to my actions that's the theme of Zichron there's a consequence to our actions our speech our thoughts there's a debt I have to pay you want to call it a punishment whatever we'll call it Mechila is a forgiving of that debt but that's not all we're looking for we're looking for something else Slicha. why did I did why did I treat you the wrong way why did I conduct myself the way I did Because there's a flaw in me. Either I'm jealous. I'm jealous of you. I'm arrogant. Or I'm insensitive. Slicha is the transformation. It's the catharsis of the personality. So we're asking God for forgiveness. We don't want to be punished. But we're asking for something much more. We want to become different, more sensitive, more humble human beings. More sincere Jews. That's what we're... That's Slicha. Mechila is the forgiving of the debt, Selich is a transformation of the personality. What's that rooted in? The famous verse, Ki Vayom Hazeh, through the experience of this great day, Ki Vayom Hazeh, Aleichem. God will forgive you. And what's Latahir Eschem? Not just forgiveness, that you won't be punished. Latahir means He will enable you to transform yourself. To go through a catharsis that you can become a different person, a different Jew, a more sensitive human being.
0: You're listening to the Jewish Reaction here on the Nachum Siegel Network, uh, presented by the OU, the Orthodox Union. My name is Ellie Hagler, and I'm being joined by Rabbi Stephen Weil, the Executive Vice President uh, of the OU. Rabbi Weil, just before we go into um, another theme, overall theme of the Machser on Yom Kippur, um, just a question that I just thought of now while you were, you know, while you were speaking about Avinu Malkinu is there are certain things that are very similar between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, between Rosh Hashanah Machser and Yom Kippur Machser. What are the major differences? Uh, not textually, more conceptually, uh, or in practice between uh, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. You know, Rosh Hashanah and the Yom Kippur, and the Yom Kippur is Yom Hadin. Yom Kippur itself is Yom Hadin. Uh, you know, Yom Kippur is a fast day. Rosh Hashanah is a festival, a festivity. Uh, so what are some differences really between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and maybe how the Aserah
2: helps to bridge the two together? That's a great question. Rabbi Salavitchi gave Shurim on that very issue. I'll take just two offhand. Rosh Hashanah, the primary theme, and we know this because the the bracha, the central bracha of Kedushas Hayom, is the theme of Malchios, that we coronate God as the master of the universe. He's the one who defines the reality, right? It's the, the birthday of humanity, Hayom Harata Olam, and we're judged on that day. But, but more than the judgment, and that's very crucial, it's judgment day, is the notion of defining the universe, the reality of the universe, is God being the melech of that universe. That's the primary theme, and that theme you see in Yom Kippur as well. But what, it's primary on Rosh Hashanah. On Yom Kippur, there's a much greater focus on the notion of the forgiveness, the slicha and mechila. That's one idea. Another idea is, and this I think is more crucial, Rosh Hashanah is a day of din. It's Yom HaDin. We ask for for Rachamim. We're asked for the Midas HaRachamim in the judgment. Yom Kippur is primarily a day of Rachamim. It's primarily a day of what? Of the restoration of our relationship with God. Of the return to that once pristine, intimate relationship we had with each other, we had with the Almighty. There's a much greater sense of Midas HaRachimim than there is strict, objective justice. On on Rosh Hashanah, you know, what's happening is because it's Coronation Day, we're proclaiming God as the Master of the Universe, the focus is not on the this particular sin, that particular thin sin, that will happen throughout the 10 days of tshuva, and that will culminate on Yom Kippur. Rosh Hashanah, if you're coronating the master of the universe, we're dressed in a certain way, we conduct ourselves in a certain way, we sit with the meals, you know, we, we chant the various uh, piyutim. On Yom Kippur, we're not dressed that way. We're wearing the white. On Yom Kippur, we're bent over beating our chests. On Yom Kippur, we're fasting, you know. It's the it is the finale. You know, there's only 24 hours left to really, really sincerely take everything we've been doing the last six weeks and bring it to its ultimate culmination.
0: And is that why uh, the structure of the prayers on Yom Kippur is the way it is? Meaning, niila, you're no longer at 24 hours left. You're now at one hour left. So it's more of the tzvilos seem to be more. Impactful, but it's also the feeling or the knowledge that you've got one hour left really make it count.
2: Yes. You know what's fascinating in Nila? There's two things that are fascinating. One is this line. What's the big focus in the L'man nechtal me oshek yadenu. Translate it as: In order that we would cease from our act of dishonesty of corruption. Oshek literally means if I owe you money. You know, you, you work very hard for the, for Yachad and work very hard for the OU. I withhold your payment. That's literally what Oshek is. I have a question. By the time you get to neila is that the worst problem most Jews have, that they don't pay their employees? I would say 99.8% of the Jews are very good about paying their employees. That's the big issue. So Rabbi Soloveitchik used to speak about this. What's the Oshek Yadena? What is it that, what what act of thievery, what act of dishonesty have we done? This was his theme, and this theme you see in Chana from Rosh Hashanah. You see this from the Akedah on Rosh Hashanah in Yom Kippur. The point is this. My time that God gives me, it's not my time. It's on loan. Your body, it's not your body. It's on loan from God. Your IQ is on loan from God. It's like a portfolio manager. Imagine, right, someone, someone comes to you and they're investing. It's not your money you're investing their money and you're responsible based upon the conditions that they signed in the contract that the SEC demands that you have them sign and that you commit yourself to. That's what it is. Our talents, our wealth, our time, our abilities, it belongs to the God. And if we took it and we used it, we stole it, we squandered it, we wasted it, we corrupted it, we perverted violating it. Violating the contract. That's right. That's, that's the greatest act of thievery. That's leman necht al me'oshek we, we, we say to God, this year, the time you give us, whether, whether it'll be a day, whether it'll be a full year, we're going to invest that time in a much more productive way. The talents you've given us, that only you and I have unique, distinct talents, and only we can make a difference. What you're doing for Yachad, Eli, there, there's no one out there that can do what you're doing. You're going to take those talents and transform a world and create a world of inclusion, and that's an investment that God has given to you that, that you have to cherish and you have to treat in a very serious fashion. That's what we say at Nila. That's theme one. Theme two is another dialectic. Every Jew comes before God broken. We say in Yiddish, tzubrach in the Yid, right? We're beating our chest. We're, we're scared of the judgment. We, we, we, we're so disappointed in ourselves that we could have been so much more. What happens? That's one type of Idui. But there's a second vidui in the Torah from Parshas Kitavo. It says what? Vidui Maser. Hashem. I took care of the Kohanim with the Truma. I took care of the Levim. I supported them with the Levi. I took care of the poor with ani. I supported the economy of Yerushalayim with Miser Sheni. And after three and a half years, you go through everything you've done. That's not a confession of sin. It's a confession what? Of what you've accomplished. Those two themes are the two paragraphs you have in the Elah. We come to God... I'm going to quote the Kutzker Rebbe, Rav Menachem Mendel of Kutz, the Rav used to quote. He said, every Jew has to have two pieces of paper in their pocket. In one piece of paper, it should say, Anochi Afar V'Efer, I'm dust and ashes. Humble, broken person, what am I? What Avram said before God, I'm dust and ashes. On the other pocket, Bishvili Nivra HaOlam, the world was created for me. Because there's only one Eli Hagler. There's only one person that has that personality, those abilities, and you're the one who can make the difference. You can transform this world. Every Jew, another dialectic the Rav used to talk about, where at the one hand we come broken, one type of confession. On the other hand we say, God, we're much more than a broken person. We're people with huge potential. And you invested in us. You invested because you believe in us. And we're telling you this year, we're going to stand up to the plate. We're going to be your partner. We're going to be your true partner, commit to you, work with you to improve our family, to improve our people, humanity, in whatever ways we can contribute. That's a beautiful theme that you have in Nihila. On the one hand, shiflutadam, the humility and the the fickle nature of the human condition. On the other hand, gadlutadam, the grandeur, the majesty, the dynamism, the potential of what a human being is. Fantastic.
0: Uh, Rabbi Stephen Wiles, Executive Vice President of the OU of the Orthodox Union, is here joining me on the Jewish Reaction, presented by the OU. Uh, Rabbi Wiles, another question also that something that has become the norm uh, in shules all year round, but particularly um, on the Yom Nom, is to put a lot of the words in the tzvilos to song. Uh, not to a, a zemer or to a tune, but to an actual existing, you know, Jewish music song. Um, Is that is that is that good? Is that bad? Is it something that's like some of the words that we might be singing to might not match up with the the vibe or the feel of the song? But at the same time, it gets the
2: kahal into it. It's a great chachma. It's a great sophisticated art. What what do we mean by that? Many of the tunes we have traditions going back a thousand years some of them hundreds of years. They were, they were, so to speak, I don't know if they were authored by great Gedolah Yisrael, but they had, so to speak, the Heksher. They had the OU on them. Right. what The tune has to represent what the words are conveying, what the words are articulating. And what the tune does is, it puts a frame of reference into those words. If that's the case, then these tunes can only help us grow in our relationship, can only help us express ourselves to God. If sometimes what we do is we just grab a tune because we like the tune and we want to make it fit, it undermines the purpose of the prayer. So y- y- I'm gonna. It's I'm, a
0: little bit of a double edge. Not a double edge, yeah. sure, but but it, it does draw people in uh, if you know the song. But at the same time, it might not fit like a glove.
2: Now, by the way, I think there's so many beautiful tunes the last 35 years. Jewish music has has really exploded over the last 35 years. Sure. If the Khazan picks the right tune that really conveys the meaning of the words, or that sets the frame. Of reference, then then it will bring out it'll bring out the best in all of us.
0: Absolutely, uh, the, the, the Avening for me. Well, at least I mean, my dad and I I actually I helped him pick some of the tunes. So, but it has more meaning to it if
2: it's a song that you know and you like and it fits. It just enhances the feel as you go forward. Yeah. I mean, look at the Beit Hamikdash, right? Right. You had the the, the choir of the Levium, and you also had a symphony playing during the Avoda. Absolutely, remember um, Well, let's talk about pick
0: one more theme. Uh, of the machs something that's that's prevalent throughout the tefillah throughout the davening uh, as we move across uh, Yom Kippur ranging from either Marv you know when we're first starting Yom Hadin to all the way to, through you know Marv which is actually
2: post Yom Kippur uh, i give it a couple of very short themes you have two types of confession the short confession and the long confession the long confession is dealing with the specifics you know <laughs> we have two olives two bays two gimel That's dealing with specific things. I did did this wrong, I did that wrong. That's primarily what's happening there. What's the Vidoy HaKatzar, the Ashamnu Bagadnu? It's not talking about anything specific, that I did this or I failed to do that. It's talking about character traits. It's talking about the nature of the persona. So again, it goes back to a previous thing we've discussed. We're trying to change specifics. We're also trying to change values, attitudes, and personality. That's one theme that you have, and it's reflected by the two types of confessional. Another theme you have is the end of the day. It's a strange choice on the surface. Why are we reading Mafter Yonah? It's dealing with the Assyrian metropolis. It's the story of the Assyrian metropolis. It's not a very Jewish haftorah. What's the point? Yom Kippur is a universal day. Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur all call Boe Olam. All of humanity is judged. Al Amer. Each in every nation, humanity in totality. We as Jews are never parochial, and small-minded. We as Jews, we have a responsibility to humanity. And Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur is judgment day for all of humanity, and we're responsible for humanity. And as we culminate the whole experience, it's the afternoon of Yom Kippur. Who do we speak about? Not our own, so to speak, narrow focus on ourselves. But the metropolis that defined, it was the Paris, it was the London, it was the New York of its time. The way Ninveh went is the way the world went. Because that is a Jew is, is, on one hand, a parochial person. On the other hand, we are universal. No one's more universal than a Jew. And no one sees the world and is concerned for the world the way we are taught to be. So that theme comes out, the universal responsibility, that this is this is humanity in it together, not us alone.
0: So just uh, speaking about that, you know, one of the, the tfilos that's, um, I, would, I would think it's the most well-known is the tfila that has uh, the most back and forth between uh, the Chazan and the Kehila, uh is L'david Mizmor. Uh, L'david Mizmor, we say it a few times throughout the day, obviously the first one being uh, tomorrow night, you know, during, after Shonah Esrei, uh, during Marvel, there's, there's a lot of, a lot more of the back and forth between the Chazan and the Kihila on Rosh Hashanah, uh, and Yom Kippur, particularly a lot on Yom Kippur.
2: What's, the, talk about the relationship between the Chazan and the Kihila uh, in terms of the Tefillah itself. So the Chazan is his prayer, it's not his prayer. You mentioned your father, right? Richie Hagler, it's not his private prayer. Richie Hagler is articulating that the Rambam refers to as Tefillat Hatzibor. It's the prayer of the nation. In other words, he's mouthing our prayer. That's why Rabbi Salavitchi would have the minog of standing the way we stand during the private amida. And that's why the Rambam says every Jew has to say Amen. Normally, you know, if you don't answer Amen, you're still yotze, right? Not by chasar Sashatz. Why do we have to answer Amen? To demonstrate that it's, that it's the collective prayer. So you have that whole idea that we're communicating as a nation, as a people. That's one thing. Um... The give and take, because there's the notion that not only is the Chazan representing us, but to a certain degree, he's a catalyst. He's a catalyst to sp- spur us on, whether it's the Shevach, the praise of God as master of the universe, and, defi- and the God of God of reality, or whether it's spurring us on to engage, you know, to engage and to pour out our heart.
0: Wow. Yeah, I mean, for me, my dad's been my vehicle or my venue uh, to get closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu on Yom HaDin. And I know that it's worked for the hundreds of people who dive in with us, and it's important for the, the Chazan to keep that in mind. I mean, they, obviously they say it uh, when they're saying Hinani before uh, Musaf; They're telling the Kehillah, and they're telling HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you know, who am I to be doing this, but I'm the Chazan now. Um, so I think that's a very different perspective that the Chazan, and everybody needs to keep in mind, um, as we move forward uh, You're listening to the Jewish Reaction here on the Nachum Siegel Network My name is Eli Hagman, I'm the Assistant Director of Yachad We are of course presented by the OU And this week by Stephen Weil, the Executive Vice President Is joining me speaking about themes of uh Me Tshuva and Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur And particularly the Machser. Uh Rabbi Weil, we have just a few minutes left I just wanted to ask more, more of a um, practical uh, discussion uh, About children uh, in shul um, Particularly on Yom Kippur um, I know for myself, I have a two-year-old daughter, so my daughter likes to come to shul because it's fun to walk around with a lollipop um, and get to get dre- you know and be able to get dressed up. Um, and for me, having her in shul with me is a great feeling to have her sitting on my lap while I'm davening and explaining to her what's happening. Um, if she's misbehaving or being loud, obviously we would take her out. But what's your feeling? You've been a shul rabbi, a pulpa rabbi for years. um, What's the relationship of between the synagogue and the children? And children is either, you know, you have infants, you have toddlers, you have
2: little kids, and then you have youngsters. So I'm going to speak personally, and I'm going to speak what should be the ideal. We built our congregation the way we brought in almost 500 families over a decade. Is that in L.A. In, by in Beth Beverly Jacob. Hills, Yeah, Beth Jacob, of Beverly Hills, was by being the shul for young families, being the shul for children. That, you know, there's only in in synagogue life, there's only one time you can apply that phrase, you know, that colloquium. If you build it, they will come. And that's about a youth department. If the kids are happy, the parents will follow. So you want these children to feel warm. You want them to feel a sense of love, a sense that this is an extension of their home. You want all of that. So that's what I do in practice. In theory now, and please feel free to challenge me or to disagree with this. If you look at the Chavetz Chaim. You know, or you look at, for instance, the whole notion of a Wimple Kiddush that you find in, in a German Schule. The reality is it's not great chinuch if a kid can't conduct themselves because they're incapable of conducting themselves with a sense of dignity, a sense of respect for the institution. There's not a value of bringing them in. Now again, I'm not saying that in practice. I'm, sa- I'm speaking about the theory. <clears throat> One of the challenges we have as parents is that we want the kid, to, our children, and we say this in Psalm 27, Ki avi Yasvuni. even if God were to abandon me, Hashem yazveh, I'm sorry, if my parents were to abandon me, Hashem is the source of reality that, that will gather me and that I can trust in. We want people to have that feeling in Chul. The Rav used to say, you, you as a parent don't want to be the protector, the mentor. The child doesn't want to feel dependent, protected. In fact, that's why we have the separation of the genders. You don't have that notion of the family that prays together stays together. Why? Isn't it a beautiful phrase that Puritan Christians would always use that phrase? The point is, in shul, a person wants to come and they only have one source of reality. A person is raw. They're exposed with all of our contradictions, with all of our challenges, with all of our, so to speak, our neediness. That's the f- motif one wants to have. So if... If a kid feels like it's, you know, it's a playground, or for that matter, if a parent feels like they're the great protector, it undermines that whole notion of a human being confronting God, engaging God. So what I'm saying is very difficult, because on the one hand, we want the kids to feel good, and that's why we should have special programs for the kids, and that's why there should be special age-appropriate programs, whether it's reading them stories, whether it's getting them excited about Yiddishkeit. Having them run around in the sanctuary on the one hand, we want them to feel comfortable in the building. On the other hand, the problem is, is it s- also sends a wrong message. To so, the children. I mean, to the it's children. not that you're
0: interrupting someone else's tefillah. It's more about the message to the
2: kids. Yeah. So I, I'm sorry. It's, it's a tough answer. I don't mean it to be a tough answer. It's, it's a tightrope we walk. Because on the one hand, we want them to love it. On the other hand... You, know, you
0: don't want children resenting going right. to shul. You want them to be excited to go and to want to go. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's very interesting. You know, every shul probably deals with it every week in terms of kids, how old, how young, in the shul, coming in with snacks, not coming in with snacks, on a fast day.
2: You know what we um, would do at Beth Jacob? Uh-huh. We brought in all the kids, and they were part of the parade that took the Torah back. Everyone marched with the Torah, bringing it back, and then they got a candy afterwards. And then they would come back at the end to sing Enkel and Aleinu, and Adon alum. So we had a place for them that was their shining moment, and they actually felt that they were adding to the service. Uh-huh,
0: and you can, re- you can engage them that way because they're looking forward to it, and they're on a high, and, they are and they're coming off, and they're awarded for it. So, so speaking about coming, up, coming out on a high, um, what is our train of thought? What are our feelings when you're walking home from shul after Yom Kippur ends? Oh. Now, wh- where do we go from here? What's our next step? You know, after, we're we're really riding high after Asarismi Chuvah, after Yom Kippur. Where do we go
2: next as an individual and as a people? So I'm going to be, I'm going to be trite. And and I apologize for being trite. Let's say we wanted to grow as a Jew. So what we want to thinking is, okay, we're on this high after Yom Kippur. Tonight I'm going to sit down and I'm going to learn. Whatever you committed to learning this year, I'm going to start it right now. I'll have a little, put a little some food in my stomach. Jump in right now. Jump into it. Let's say we we, we joked before about how you're going to treat your mother-in-law. It's the time to call her and let her know how much you love her. You know, if you don't want to be a liar, let her know how much you appreciate what she's done for her, for your (laughs) wife and her daughter, her grandchildren. You know, whatever the issue is, it's the time to jump in and say, "Okay, Yom Kippur, as as you pointed out before, Ellie, it's not the culmination. It's the beginning of a more meaningful life. And I would say jump in, you know, and again, I'm going to say something now. Some people, you can get a lot out of Yom Kippur just walking into it. But right now, during the next few days, we want to think about what kind of an employee or employer am I going to be this year? What kind of a sibling am I going to be this year? What am I going to deal when it comes to honesty? How am I going to use the gift of speech this year? We already want to start coming up with a plan for ourselves at this point, And hopefully that plan grows over Yom Kippur. And then it can be... You know, put into action in a serious way with a discipline, you know, with a way that this next year is going to be a more productive year than this year.
0: Wow. I mean, I think it's it's 100 percent. you. We just spent 10 days, the last 24 hours and the last hour really pouring it out while wasting any time. Like you know, like Nike, you know, just do it, just get right into it. Mm-hmm. Um, one other question is, we have a few minutes left. Um, yesterday was the 13th anniversary of, of 9/11. Uh, I remember when I was a senior in high school uh, when 9/11 happened. It was right before um, Yom Kippur. It was, it was during a Mechuva? I think it was right, maybe right before, right before Rosh Hashanah. Yeah. So I remember there were two individuals who davened in our minion, in, in my father's minion. Uh, one of them, Eli Palatov, was davened. Uh, Shahris, for the Ahmed, and he was a member of Hatzalah. And I remember, I'll never forget it, he came back, he went to, to Ground Zero to help, and, you know, when he was davening Shahris, in his machser, uh in every page, he had a piece of debris from 9-11. And I'll never forget, you know, watching him turn the page and seeing a little ash fall out, or something of the sort, to have that on his mind. What should we be thinking about, just now 13 years later, the fact that it's right around
2: Osiris uh, I'll tell you, I had a meeting at Goldman Sachs. And instead of taking a, a cab back to the OU or taking the subway back to the OU, I walked back I walked around the memorial, walked through, and just I wanted to see people's faces. And, of course, because of the security concerns, the, the, police, was, the, the police were lined up and down each and every street in the Wall Street neighborhood and around, of course, the new the Freedom Tower and, and the uh, memorial. When we say Unisanatokif that you, Ellie, were speaking about, I think the living Unisanatokif, mi mi who's going to live, who's going to die, who by fire, you know, who's going to drown, that, that 9-11 cries out. When you walk there and you think about that event, it just cries out Unisanatokif. You know, look, look at how fickle, look at how limited, look at how whimsical our existence is. The responsibility to live every day to the fullest and to, to, to lead a meaningful life. That's one issue that 9 11 speaks to us about. The other issue I think it speaks about is, is a sense of community. You know, I didn't have the, I lived in Beverly Hills at that time, but in New York, how people came together. And we, I think, as Jews, appreciate that. When we're not fighting each other, when we're not. We can disagree, we have every right to disagree, but when we're not backstabbing in it, and it's not personal, we're not fighting each other when we work together as a team you know how you what a glorious humanity there is when you, when you saw how people came together how they supported the families that lost husbands who were firefighters or husbands who were policemen or they supported the families who lost a wife or a husband who, who was working in the in the towers uh and it didn't just last for a week or two they were there the community raised it's still, those children still still happening still unbelievable happening. Uh, you know, to me, you know, that's that—that's the gadlutadam that we spoke about before, the, the grandeur and the majesty, and that role that community plays, specifically Jewish community.
0: So just to add on to that, is, you know, 9-11 was 13 years ago, and it's clear that we've come a tremendously long way as a people, as Jewish people, as Americans, as just citizens of Earth. Um, but there's still things that are happening that just can't happen or shouldn't be happening. You take this thing like... Uh, like a Waco or a, a, a, a terrible a tornado or somebody walking into a, an elementary school with a gun. You know, how do you react to that specifically on Yom Kippur?
2: That's a powerful question. And I'm not sure I'm going to give you an intelligent answer to that. Um, I, I think it, it all goes, there is evil and, and there's a, work that was published of different lectures of Rabbi Salavashik is called Out of the Whirlwind. And it talks about the Jewish approach to evil. Instead of asking why, which is ultimately something that we as human beings don't have the intellect or the ability, we're not God's accountants. We don't know why. But what? How do we respond? In in, in the aftermath of a scenario like that, how will I lead lead the rest of my life? Will I live a different life in in the aftermath of these events? I think that's really the question that we ask ourselves. And I'm sorry if that answer doesn't no know, that,
0: that I mean, is an answer. I mean, you want to internalize it yourself and just continue to improve on yourself as an individual as well as ourselves as a people. And that's really all we can hope to do.
2: We live in a world where there's a tremendous amount of evil, and there, and there are people out there who want nothing more than to undermine what you and I value. And, and we see that every day. We're seeing it now in the Middle East. We're seeing it now when you talk to Homeland Security, the sleeper cells that exist in this country. We're seeing it across the board. But we, the power of good and the power of decency, when we come together with other decent, good human beings, we can overcome that evil. Maybe not in this specific scenario. We may lose. We're going to suffer korbanot along the way. But ultimately, decency triumphs. Sometimes, you know, to quote Psalm 92, there's thousands and thousands of blades of grass, thousands and ten thousands of weeds, and there's only one Tzadik HaTamar There's only one date palm. There's only one eris balvanon, Cedar of Lebanon. But ultimately what happens, not necessarily in the short run, not necessarily this week, but in the end when the winter comes, those weeds dry up and die. That Cedar of Lebanon just grows taller and taller. And we shouldn't be head counters. We shouldn't be concerned about the quantity and the numbers of evil and corruption. Because a little bit of good, if it's a sincere good, ultimately it triumphs the evil. And we've seen that throughout the generations. We've seen that throughout the millennia.
0: Every while we only have just a, a couple of minutes left. Just give us a one quick hit last piece of advice, last thing to remember as we
2: go into Yom Hadin. What's the very last thing we do? blow the chauffeur. many commentaries have tried to explain what is that it's, it's not Yom Teruah it's not Rosh Hashanah so one approach this approach again is something Rabbi Salavichuk said it's not the only one now we we articulate the most sublime sophisticated ideas over the course of 25 hours and what makes us human being is our ability to articulate our ability to communicate And after it's all said and done sometimes there are just certain things you can't say there are certain feelings or certain emotions that you just can't articulate. With all of our sophistication, you know, and all our gravitas, and what do we do when it's all said and done? We just cry out to God—an open, honest, sincere cry. That's the cry of the shofar. That's the culmination of 25 hours of the great day, that great majestic day. Beautiful,
0: Rabbi Stephen Wiles, the Executive Vice President of the OU, the Orthodox Union. Of course, you're listening to the Jewish Reaction here on the Nachum Siegel Network. Uh just before we go, um, obviously right before the chauffeur blows, uh we obviously say um, the last words of the Yom Kippur Machser. Uh and here is Israel Williger with Lashana Haba.
1: So, I'm bir sure what i And
0: that was Yisrael Williger with Lashana Habar by Stephen Wiley, Executive Vice President of the OU. I want to thank you for joining me. I want to wish you and your family a good yontif.
2: Um, oh, sure, please. I really have to thank you. What Yachad has done for my children and taught our family the principle of inclusion, what you and Dr. Lichman and and the all-star team at Yachad, you have no idea how, I have two adolescents, and they wouldn't be the kind of givers and they wouldn't have the sensitivity that they have without you, without Yachad. And and you've nurtured them, you've developed them, and as a parent, I'm so profoundly grateful to you, Dr. Lichman, and to the all-star team of Yachad. And all I can say is, Kala Kavod, it's an honor to be associated with you. and well, with thanks. It's an honor
0: to be associated with you, with the OU, with the Orthodox Union, all the great uh, work happening here. So, well, thank you. Uh, you've been listening to The Jewish Reaction right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. Of course, this is going to be our last show at this time on Thursday afternoon as next season, which becomes which begins after Sukkot, we're going to be moving to our new time. It's going to be Tuesday mornings at 9 a.m. right here at Nachum Siegel Dot com right after Nachum on JM and the AM. I want to wish everybody a gemar tov and a good yuntif an easy and meaningful fast. And we'll see you back here in just a few weeks. Everybody have a great yuntif.
1: İzlediğiniz için I shall love you, not so much of Napshi.